0: Hope you enjoy this message by Pastor Kevin West. To order or download additional resources, please visit kevinwest.org. All right. Mark Chapter
1: 14. Mark chapter 14. Are you there? People still giving? I don't want to get ahead of you. I'll give you time. quiet in here who in here is estranged from your father or your stepfather and what I mean by strange it's a it's a there's a there's a it was a friction relationship just was tight tough to just constant at each other's throat and it, it it didn't end well there and it still isn't well and um You're you're really strange. It's strange, and and I've sensed in my heart that you didn't cause it, but it, it 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 happened. Is there anybody in here that is that way right now, right here? Anybody else? I saw a lady too, in my mind, in my heart. Anybody else? Just things just aren't right with your dad. Anybody? You too, right? Over here too, okay. Anybody else? Okay. Um, your parents still alive? Your dad's still alive? Yours is? Yours is? Yours is? Um, I heard the Lord say in my heart to tell you that he's going to open up a not, not a window it's just going to be an urge or a, a nudge and this is the beginning of the nudge and he's going to give you an opportunity to make that right on your side you're not responsible for how it's received, or you're not responsible for what he even says but the Lord is going to give you a, an opportunity to bring closure to that for you, I'm not saying that the relationship will ever be what it, you, you desire in your heart. I'm just saying that it, he's going he's to close the gap on that in your heart. You're not responsible for the other person, but he's going to give you an opportunity to do that. And even though your dad's passed away, he's going to still give you that opportunity. You know, I think it's going to come through a relative of somebody that's going to come back in the picture or may already be in the picture. And you're going to get some closure with that, and it's going to bring your heart at peace and rest. Okay, does that make sense? It's it's going to be an awkward moment, but when you feel the the nudge or the urge or that weirdness, then you have to act on it, because at that acting, at that nudge, is really what we call in our circles the anointing or the grace or the spirit of God giving you the equipping, or the, the necessity the things you need for it to happen the way it's supposed to happen. You don't force it, but you certainly don't hesitate when it comes. You just go after it. See, it's been said, those that fight, you have to fight to win. But I've experienced in my own life, it's not that you have to fight to win, those that just show up to the fight that wins, you just gotta show up to fight. Not that you fight, you just gotta show up to the fight because the battle is the Lord's. But the, the nudging comes from here. And then when the nudging comes or that little urge or that, just that, it's not even a desire. It, and here's how you'll know. There'll be butterflies in your stomach going, God, I don't wanna do this. But you're gonna say, I can't shake it because it's still there. Then you walk, then you go, then you do. And then whatever it happens, happens. And then it'll, the Lord will bring closure to it. I bear witness. And he also says that there's many in here that have that same relationship and schism between him as the heavenly father and us. I'm not going to call you out. I'm just going to tell you that he's okay with you, he wants you to be okay with him. He's not holding anything against you that you think he's holding against you. So if you would open up your heart to him and allow him to cleanse you of everything that you harbor and make yourself vulnerable to him, then he's going to begin to wash you clean. And I don't mean like you're dirty, I'm talking about just a a cleanse that comes over you that causes you to see life different and see him different. Some of you are mad at yourself for your mistakes in your past, and you have projected it onto God as if God is bad at you at the same level and that you're bad at yourself, and he's not. He heard you the first time your heart turned and said, God, I wish I hadn't have done that. He heard you. Mark chapter 14. This was now two days before the Passover and the festival leavened bread, the leading priests and the teachers of the religious law were still looking for an opportunity to capture Jesus secretly and kill him. But not during the Passover celebration, they agreed. The people would riot because they would be breaking the law. How would they be able to do this and, and, and go after Jesus when it's the Passover? My goodness, they're going to be in an uproar. Even the people that don't like Jesus is going to be in an uproar because they're going to be frustrated and mad that we're actually doing something on the Sabbath day that we shouldn't be doing on the day of Passover. Meanwhile, while they were conspiring over on this side of town, meanwhile, Jesus was in Bethany. Bethany was the home of Simon, a man who had previously had leprosy. While he was eating, a woman came in with a beautiful alabaster box, alabaster jar of expensive perfume made from essence of nard. She broke open the jar and poured the perfume over his head. Some of those at the table were indignant. Why waste such expensive perfume, they asked. It could have been sold for a year's wages and the money given to the poor. So they scolded her harshly. But Jesus replied, leave her alone. Why are you criticizing her for doing such a good thing to me? You will always have the poor among you, and you can help them wherever you, whenever you want to help or want to, but you will not always have me. She has done what she could and has anointed my body for burial ahead of time. I tell you the truth, wherever the good news is preached throughout the world, this woman's deed will be remembered and discussed. Now, we've heard this passage of Scripture, been taught on. I've preached on it several times. We've, we've ministered on it. It's a very popular Songs have has been, been written about it. Uh, and, and, and it's just an incredible, uh, you know, picture and story in the Bible that talks about uh, how a sinner came in the middle of Jesus and, and broke open that box. And it was, what, a, what a wonderful thing. And you had the religious people there. Even his disciples were there upset because they were going to take the, the perfume. It was so expensive. It was a whole year's wages in this box. But I want, you to point, I want to point out something to you in this, and I want to set the whole story up and tell you this, about how she broke open the box. And the box had a seal around it, and then she broke it open and began to pour out. Many people are open. It didn't say she opened the box. It says she broke the box. Many people are open to what God has in their life. But not many people are broken. When you open something, you're in control of how it pours out. But when you're broken, it's gonna come out every possible way and you can't control how it's coming down. We gotta, we gotta, we gotta move from a, a place of where I'll give you, Jesus, your praise, your worship, are my substance. I'll give you, But as long as I'm in control of how it goes, I'm open. But what about the people? What about the life? What about you when you were in that place and you once had that relationship with him or or perhaps maybe there now where I don't care what people think. I don't care where it goes. I just have to get into the presence of God. I've gotta be in his presence and I'm going to, not just pour out my heart and tell him all my stuff. The brokenness of me, and let me tell you what the brokenness is. That was a pretty good vessel. That's a pretty good box of perfume. It was very costly, but it was inside the perfume. She didn't care about the box or what the external looked like. It was more important that she got the stuff on the inside poured out upon his head. When are we ever going to get to the place as people, as the church, to where we on the inside is more important than what the external people think? When are we going to get to the point where when my heart bears the perfume and the fragrance that he's looking for that's going to cleanse him and run down his head, down to his beard, into his feet? That, that thing on the inside of me is what he's looking for. But what they're looking for is, but see, this is the thing. They looked at the perfume. See, they were looking at the same thing she was. The only difference was they saw value for the external. She saw the value from the internal. Same perfume. This could be sold and given to the poor. Jesus says, the poor be with you always. I'm not always gonna be with you. Now, I had trouble with that scripture. What do you mean you're not always gonna be with us? How in the world that you won't always be with us? No, you said you'd leave and gonna send the comforter. That's a wonderful thing. What he's saying there is this. There's coming a day that you're not gonna have a place to go and break open yourself. You're gonna have to do it internally anyway. There's gonna be a time come in your life that it's not going to be all your external efforts that's going to be able to come and put them on the altar and make it all right. There's coming a day when, when I go and ascend to the Father and I send the Spirit, this is a game changer. There's not going to be a place to come worship on a hill or worship in a synagogue or worship in a temple. Or no, no there, This is shifting from a place and a moment in time to this is a 24-hour, seven-day-a-week walk where you're coming from the inside out because I'm going to make my abode and dwell inside of you. I'm coming up and take living in your residence. And you're gonna have to learn to live on the inside out or you're gonna constantly be looking for your fix and your answers and your solutions out there when really I've given all those answers to you in here. Now watch this. It was the Sabbath day and the religious people are trying to figure out why is Jesus in Simon the leper's house. He's, he's invited him for dinner. Jesus comes up and I'm coming to dinner. Jesus is in there with the Pharisees. They're watching this meal go down. They're plotting over here because they're trying to figure out how to get the guy out of the picture. And Jesus is just being himself. Here come, here's what happens. All of a sudden, nobody said she was invited. Nobody said she knocked on the door. Nobody said she, they let her in. She didn't call ahead of time to get a reservation. None of that happened. Here's a woman, that's a sinner that they called her, a sinner, a prostitute, a woman that was destitute, no good, outcast. It was bad enough for him to hang out with just publicans, tax collectors, but now he's got the worst of the worst. These are the people that have baggage. These are the people that that aren't good. These are the people that that, that can't merit. They They have to walk with their head down because they walk with their head up. Everybody's gonna know who they are. And nobody wants to be known who they are because it could be, it's a bad situation. So they come in. She comes in the, store, in the middle of this room while he's having dinner. She waits till he sits down and starts having dinner. Then she comes. Don't think for one minute she wasn't circling the house just waiting for her moment to come in. Don't think for one minute she wasn't thinking, do, just like we do. What do we do? What do I do? I got one shot at this. I mean, I know my condition. I know how I got here. I don't like how I got here. I don't know how to get out of it. I don't know what I'm supposed to do. I don't know where to turn. I I can't go to the Pharisees. If they'll kill him, they know they're gonna kill me. If they're gonna punish him and plot against him and talk about him, you know they're talking about me. But his reputation preceded him because throughout the entire book of Mark was one account after another where Jesus always took up for the underdog. And he was always protecting the underdog Against the people that were trying to always pounce on the underdog to keep him an underdog. And it wasn't that Jesus was against the other people. He just wasn't going to let you be against this person to be for that one. So his reputation preceded him. So at the right time, at the right moment, she walks in the midst of all these people. And I'm, I'm, I would say, I'm guessing my guess is those people knew who she was. Because some of them probably were clients. Somebody might have had some business with her. They gonna stop her? See, people that are in a mess will bring conviction on people when people see them when they're in a mess, but nobody knows it. People that live by the external, but it looks like they got it all together, but on the inside it's falling apart. Let a, let a sinner, a poor, destitute, beat up, person that nobody's everybody's already discounted, but let them walk in a room or walk by you that's now starting to be humble. And you tell me that's not gonna bring conviction? So she walks in the midst of this place and she goes right to Jesus. She didn't politely open a box. She broke the box. It was a representation of her broken self. She was as broke as the box. She didn't care how she got to the perfume. I have to get to the perfume. Now in, in, in Matthew and in Luke, the same story is an account. It says it this way. Jesus says, no, Simon, why are y'all mad about this? That I'm the, the she's over here doing this. You all trying to stop her. Not one of you. Try tried to wash my feet when I came in. Not one of you offered me water. Not one of you. You're happy I'm in your house, but, but you haven't given me what she's given me. Then you start looking at it from a, a, a perspective of, well, it's, it's worth a lot of money, it's got value. Who does she think she is? The minute you begin to think of what she's carrying in substance and, 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 and external has more value than her, you're missing the whole point. The first time an employer thinks that his company is better valued than his employees, he's out of line. The first time a husband thinks his house is more valuable than his wife, he's out of line. The first time the church thinks their church and their church programming and their church ministry is better and more valuable than the people that's being ministered to, they're out of line. People are not vehicles to help us accomplish what we're supposed to accomplish. People are the things that's supposed to be accomplished. And we forget about people because we get our eye on the prize. Pharisees over here, plotting, religious people looking at her going, who does she think she is? Then they come, and and this is a beautiful representation in exactly how it works. They're, they're, They're watching her, every move she's making. She breaks open the box. She's decided that I'm not gonna be open and control how it pours out. I'm gonna break it open and wherever it goes, it goes. I'm not gonna be, I'm not gonna let this thing trickle. I'm not gonna care what everybody else thinks so I can control how it goes. I'm gonna worry about what he thinks and I'm gonna let it go because I don't think he's gonna condemn me when it breaks open. I'm gonna be transparent before him and not worry about what everybody else thinks. I'm gonna live my life to him and not worry about what everybody else thinks. I'm gonna live my life to him. If I get his approval, I have one as my audience and everybody else can just watch if they want to. Not that I'm being condescending to everybody else or arrogant to everybody else. No, no, no. I just have to get it in order because how it normally works is what do people think and then by the way, God, how did it work out for you? So we live our life by this external play that we think we're acting out. And God says, I don't want you to act out in an external way. I want you to come from a place of brokenness, a place of pure heartedness, where whatever's inside of you, whether it's good or bad, still comes out. Now, here's what happened, what I think is beautiful. She comes into the presence of the Lord. They're watching her come in. She washes his feet with her tears. She's pouring the, 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 the oil on his head and he's sitting there And he's receiving this. Now, I want you to think about this. This is the nature of Christ. He's receiving her broken, pouring out of her heart. He wasn't doing anything. Nothing. He received it. Let me tell you what happened when he received it. Watch this. As he was receiving it, he's watching all the people that are watching her. Then he begins not to address her, He addresses them. When he addresses them, based on what she's doing, they begin to look at him. Did you just track that process? A broken woman, full of just a mess, in sin, finds herself coming to the presence of the Lord. Religious people and skeptics and and, and judgmental, critical people are watching the woman walk in. She comes in, pours out, breaks open the the oil. The the fragrance is starting to go everywhere. They see how valuable it is. She's bringing her best. And all of a sudden, there's no word spoken between Jesus and her. Jesus begins to look at everybody else. And as he begins to look at everybody else, they begin to look at him. When you come into the presence of the Lord, and when you come through a heart of humility coming from the inside out, all the people that are looking at you from the outside, on the outside, will change their focus because Jesus will take their focus off of you to him. It was a transference that took place. See, you want Jesus to advocate for you because he's our advocate? All you gotta do is come from the inside out. What if, what if it's bad? If what, what if I'm vomiting the bad stuff on Jesus? Man, he'll take the good f- perfume. He'll take the vomit too. Because it wasn't the, the oil and the, the fragrance that mattered. It was the heart of which it was pouring from that took, made all the difference. And when the heart came out of purity from her, no matter how bad it was, no matter how bad her past was and how bad her current condition was, Jesus took that situation and he said, I'm gonna show you how this works. Watch this, I'm going to advocate for you. So when they begin to talk about you, I'm gonna begin to address them. And when I address them, they'll take their eye off of you and put their eye back on me. And if you remember the beginning of this passage of scripture, they had their eye on him anyway. They really didn't have their eye on her. She wasn't in the picture. So all your haters, all your people out here on the outside hoping that you fail or watching to see if you're gonna make it or not, they really don't have their eye on you like you think you got. they got their eye on you. They really got their eye on him, seeing if he's gonna be able to do what in your life what you think he's gonna be able to do. Your job is not to, to, to explain yourself to them, your job is to get to him. What are they gonna say? What are they gonna do? How's this gonna work? I'll tell you how it works. You can't manufacture it. It has to be from the heart. It's gotta be raw. It's gotta be real. It's gotta be true. Look what Jesus did for. He looked at all the people and he said, hey guys, you see this? This is important. This is necessary. He said, because she did this, this is a, a prostitute. This is a sinner. This is, this is the lowly of the low in this community. This is what people talk about and, and look at. These people aren't worthy to be saved. They're not worthy for his time. It's one thing him sitting with a bunch of Pharisees having dinner and lepers that's been cleansed, but my God, this is a current situation here. This is not good. And he looks at the people around him and he says, oh, by the way, Because her heart is so turned towards me, and she was willing to bypass all of the spectators to get to me, everywhere the gospel's preached, this story's going to be told, all the way through eternity. She made her name in the book. The story and her act of her life is in the book. I can't find one account of all the things she did wrong. He didn't say, hey guys, here's how this is going to work. I'm gonna tell you what, all, what she's doing right now is gonna go all, it's gonna make the gospel. It's gonna be all through the, 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 the scriptures. What you're gonna do is you're gonna tell all the bad stuff she did and then talk about how the good thing it turned her life around when she came in my presence. He didn't say that. There was no account or no record of all her bad. None, none. He wiped it away. He wiped it, and he wiped it away based on sitting there receiving her worship. She was forcing not to get him to wipe it away. She didn't come with a, 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 a motivation. She didn't come going, man, if I can just get in his present, I know he'll just clean me up and make it all. No, she watched this man. There was something that was drawn to, to, to her by him. She, he, he saw her go, because all throughout the first 14 cha- books of the, the book of Mark, chapters of Mark, he's walking around. He's healing people. He's setting people free. The woman caught in adultery, he brings her out, and, and the stones, you can't be con- stoning in people, because why? You're not without sin. You can't stone her. Who do you think you are? He heals the sick man. He raises Lazarus from the dead. He goes up and takes two fish and five loaves and feeds 5,000 people. Something about him and his compassion was oozing out of him, and he had never even had a conversation with her. It drew him and drew her to him. So when she got outside the room and she recognized that they're willing to kill him, and he's a good man, can you imagine my life, the rest of my life, knowing how conscious I am of my sin and my my, my sickness and my disease and all the things that I carry, if they're going to kill him, I don't have a shot. So I want to take my chance and I'm going to get in the presence of somebody that can forgive me and give me a little bit of compassion other than get around all these people that are in contempt of me and going to cause me to go cast out and tell me all the things that I've done wrong. I need somebody that's going to bring me in and give me some sort of hope that there's life beyond this. That I, if I just get a minute in his presence, if I just get a second in his, if I could just sing one song or drop one tear, you, 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 if I could just one thing, if I could just get a little bit of relief for just a moment, I think it could all change. And she was willing to go past all of what people thought. Now, they weren't wrong of killing him on the Sabbath. Because if they would have killed him on the Sabbath or ju- judged him on the Sabbath, guess what would happen? That whole religious community would have turned on, on them. Mad people find things to be mad about. Carnal people find carnality. Tell them a, a good joke and they'll find something dirty about it. Hear a, hear a message of the gospel and they'll find something to lace it in there that just maybe belittles it or undermines it a little bit. Hear a good Christian song and there's something not quite right and they'll turn it to this. Why? Because their bend is to find fault. Their bend is to be critical. Their bend is to be judgmental. Their bend is to, to but it's all cloaked in protecting but they believe they're standing for. Here's the issue. The issue is, we've trained up a generation of people, unintentionally, and we've been trained by circumstances of life, but we've trained up a generation of people that are very willing to be open to what God has as long as we can control it. But we don't have a whole lot of people that are wanting what God has, that are willing to be broken and let it pour. See, we wanna tell people based on our knowledge of what God can do, based on what we've read or what we have seen but I'm looking for the one that can tell you what God can do based on your filth and unrighteousness. Yeah. Tell me how he brought you out of your mess. Yeah, I I appreciate the fact that I've got Mark 14 to look, look at. I love that. But tell me about your... Alabaster box story. Tell me when your life was falling apart and everything was worthless and useless and not gonna work and somehow you stumbled into some place that God was and somehow God pulled you in and before you know it, you were wiping your, his feet with your tears and you couldn't even see his feet. The tears were flowing. Your heart was broken. You got to the point where you said, I can't can't control this anymore. I I can't live like this anymore. It's got to change. Something's got to happen. God, if you don't do it, it's not going to happen. And I don't care what they think. They think. I'm not saying this anymore. I know there's consequences. I know there's penalties. I know what people are going to say. However, I am not going to stay this way anymore. And finally, you come to the end of yourself, and you said, I can't control how I'm going to pour this out. I'm just willing to let the box be broken, and what's inside the box, let it come out. And when it starts coming out, you'll find out that God receives what comes out of that box. When it comes out in humility, he's not interested in how you pour it. He's interested in what's inside the box. Take the lid off. Don't control that thing. No, it's your greatest testimony. How he brought you out of your mess, how he's bringing you out of your mess, are the things that the world is wanting to hear. Nobody's looking for a Jesus that they can pop the top on. We'll pop open the cap and a little bit of cheers here and there. Hey, you tell me a little bit your Jesus, I'll tell you about my Jesus, and we'll drink this thing together. And we'll do it in a good church in a right way. I'm talking about somebody that's looking and saying, man, you don't know. Like, I know. Man, he drank for 25 years, and one day he quit. I can't explain it. I had nothing to do with it. What'd you do? What'd you, did, you, did you prod on him? Did you tend to quit? No, all I know is I got to the point where I didn't care what people thought, and it was me and Jesus. Me and Jesus. It was just me and him. and you, you and Jesus had your own thing going? Oh no, it wasn't that at all. I had to be in such a, his presence where I recognized that I couldn't care about all, I can't, I can't control it out here. I couldn't fix them. I couldn't fix him. He wouldn't change. She wouldn't change. I couldn't pay all those bills. I couldn't, make, I couldn't do it. I come to the end of myself. And I had to just come and say, here's how it is. I didn't come with my head down. I come with my knees down. And I come and I said, God, I don't even know how I got here, but I'm here. I don't know what caused it, but I'm, but I'm here. And I know if I keep in control, it's going to get more out of control. So I need you to somehow take the lead in all I'm doing. If you don't, I'm going to have more problems. And the Lord will look at you and say, well, if you promise me, you'll never do that again. I'll receive the oil and the fragrance and we'll live happily ever after. No, he never even addressed her. He received the oil. He received the perfume. He received the worship. And he has received the worship because he wanted her to always remember the encounter that she had with him. So when she walks up out of that room and five years from now, and you see, you'll see her, she's in the scripture later, when you see her down the road, you'll see it's the same woman that had depreciation and the encounter back then is having an encounter later in life. It's the same one. Once was known as a prostitute, now is walking with Jesus. And she's his friend. They're, they're, they, have, they, have, they know they had an encounter together in, in here where he's going, this is it, man. This is how it goes. And he's looking at everybody else and everybody's throwing their darts at her. And he says, listen, I'm not gonna talk to her, I'm receiving from her, but I am gonna talk to you. And he deflected their eyes off of her so that their eyes will be put on him. Your mess, your worst thing you've done in your life or in the middle of your life right now, your worst situation, as bad as it can be, the best thing you could do is pour yourself out into him and on him, because the process goes like this. You pour your oil upon him. He begins to defend you to them. And as their eyes have been looking at you, their eyes now turn to him. So your brokenness and your mess turns into be a testimony, and you become a witness unto the gospel. You're, you're, you're a mess. Listen. I had a friend of mine. And I told this story before, I'll tell it again. I had a friend of mine. He uh, had been married, had three kids. He was ready right to have the fourth, I think. And uh, this young man preached when he was 13 years old. Raised in church, good family. I, I mean, had everybody saw him on the outside. I went, man, this is the guy. And great preacher, great man. And... He uh, takes a job at a corporate, a corporate place. Uh, he actually was working at Walmart in management, upper management. And uh, he just had a little baby boy. And he comes home from Walmart one day, and management, rough, life's rough, a lot of stress working in hours, and management, you're dealing with making decisions. And, 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 and he happened to get really close to uh, one of the department managers, a young lady. He comes home and tells his wife, he says, I'm done, I'm finished. Yeah, I'm leaving. They got a brand new baby, boy, and, and daughters they are older. And he said, I'm finished. He said, this is it for me. He said, I've realized, you know, all these years I've been living my life for everybody else, and now I'm going to live <laughs> my life for me. I've, I've, I'm tired of putting everybody else first. I've done it all my life, and look where it's got me. I'm just miserable, and, and she's giving me attention. She loves me. we got an emotional connection. You're home with the kids doing all your stuff, and you don't have time for me anymore. It's just a typical, you know, the Lifetime movie. Okay, so he's done. He's leaving. So he leaves, packs up his stuff, and walks out. As he leaves, he tells his uh, his wife. He said, "You know, don't 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 bother me." He said, "I'm I'm I'm leaving. I'm done." She's broken and devastated. So word comes to me that uh, he left his wife, and it's over. It's done, and you got the baby at home. So I get up, and I I'm I'm I'm, I'm agitated. I'm frustrated. I'm I'm I'm. Irritated. I mean, all that, and I'm out walking the driveway or the the street pavement, and I'm walking and I'm praying for him, back and forth, just praying. God, open Chris's, open his eyes, open his, open his eyes. God, open his eye, open his eye. And I come, I come against the devil. I, come, I did all that, back and forth. Went back to my area and I sit down and I wrote a a note, and I sit down and I wrote it. I said, she is. You're Jonah and she's the whale, she's the whale. I didn't care if she read it or not. She's a whale, she's, she's swallowing you up right now. You're in a mess and it's going through the whole thing. So when I got to a certain point, I was writing so fast, felt inspired by the Holy Spirit, I wrote the word grace on there and I misspelled grace because I was writing so fast and I just scribbled out the word grace and I just kept right on going, I kept writing. It was a, like a two page, two, two and a half, three page letter. Folded it up, prayed over it, anointed it with oil, Did all that, put the stamp on it. Even lifted the stamp, prayed, lifted the stamp up to the Lord, put it on the edge of it, stuck it on the edge of the thing, and I said, "I know that's anointed. That's probably, that may not make one of the books of the Bible, but I promise that's as holy as what I've, I've been reading." All right. I mean, I felt that, that confidence when he gets his letter. I'm telling you, I got enough scripture in there, and I got enough. I'm, uh, it's going to hit him right between the eyes. I just know it, and my heart was just breaking for his family, and and him because I know he's called. Okay, so. I sit it over there a few days and I said, okay, God, I'm gonna I need a release from you when to send it, because I know you know all time. So I sit it over there and I waited and I waited. A couple of days go by. Finally I sent that letter. Felt the, the urge and I sent the letter. So I am talking to some people and I I said, hey, I said, whatever happened? Did he did he did they get back together or what happened? No, he's not back together. A week or two goes by and then finally uh, Lisa tells me, she says, Hey, did you know he came home? They got back together. I said, "Really? Yeah, I kind of—I knew it was going to happen. I just didn't know when." <laughs> so I said, "Wow." So a couple more weeks go by, and I said, "I need to talk to him." So I ran into him. I—I I, I made an appointment where we talked. Is what happened. We—he came and we had to sit down. He said, "Man, you are not going to believe he said, I owe you. a Thank you. I said, "Really?" He said, "Yeah." He said, uh, "You know." He said, my wife called, my ex-wife, or she's wife still. She, my wife called me. It was pouring the rain, this downpour. He said, she said, you got a, a letter from Kevin. He said, Kevin, why would he be writing me a letter? She said, well, come over and get it. So he came over and got it. He said he, he didn't open it up. He just left real quick because they were really mad and frustrated at each other. So he gets in the car, and he drives off, and it's pouring the rain. So he says he pulls over, and he said, I'm going to read the letter. So he opens up the letter, and he starts to read the letter. He said, and all of a sudden, something broke in me. He said, I'm not talking about he said, something from the inside out where my core was shaking, and I couldn't even cry hardly. I was crying so hard. I couldn't cry into the tears. He said, I just felt hollow and empty, and it was like a deep groaning, like I can't even explain it. I said, yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I, I was praying for you, man. He said, yeah, I, I, I know you were. He said, you know, he said it was, but when I read that letter, he said, I just sit there for about an hour, and I felt like I was having a nervous breakdown. And I just pulled off, and I went back, and I went back to the house to my wife, and I said, "No, I'm not doing this. I, I, I'm just about ready to throw everything else away, but I, I can't do this." So they reconciled and all that stuff. So I'm sitting there going, "This is incredible," you know. So first, the thought that went in my mind was, I "Wonder how many times I walked back up and down that street." Because if I did it 10 times, I want to do it 10 times every time because if it worked 10 times that time, it might work next time. All these prayers I need to get answered. I need to figure out what kind of template I used. God, did I, did I pray 20 minutes, 25 minutes? What was that? And that was all going through my head. And I said, I got to ask you, man. I said, I'm, I'm really happy for you. I said, well, what, what part of the letter? You know, what was it a part? You know, was it the part about Jonah and the whale or was it about you'd be called at 13 and preached at 13 and all that? He goes, no, no, no. I said, what? He said, that part where you got to the word grace and you marked it out? I said, yeah. He said, man, the Holy Spirit spoke to me and said, Chris, things don't always have to be perfect. He said, the rest of the letter was okay too. (laughs) I said, what now? I said, what part of it? I said, Jonah, the well, 13 preaching. None of that? Oh, he said, no. It was, I saw you had made a mistake. You misspelled the word. You just marked a line through it and kept right on writing your letter. He said, me, my personality is I wouldn't have got past the mistake. He said, so your mistake is what let the Holy Spirit open me up to say, Chris, things don't have to always be perfect. And I said, and the rest of the letter was just okay. <laughs> he said, I'm gonna be honest with you. Yeah, it was just okay. I said, well, I want that letter back then. <laughs> and to this day, He's a pastor, and he preaches 20 years ago. His kids now are married, good man of God, good family. What was it? What caused him to break to where he didn't care what the box looked like? He wasn't trying to control the poor, it was here. It was what I thought was just a Oversight and went on and forgot it was even in there. The Holy Spirit used that to open him up. Taking it somewhere. Taking you somewhere. See, the skeptics out here are protectors and they're well meaning. But really, how many other just sinners and people in bad positions, maybe even saved in bad positions, love God in bad positions, that, that have forgotten? and maybe never experienced what it's like to let the the box be broken? How long are you going to have to control how it pours out of you? Are you willing just to let it all ooze out? And wherever it goes, it goes. As long as it's on Jesus, he'll receive it. You're going to begin to see opportunities in your life. You're going to begin to see moments, encounters with people. Some are going to be by yourself when you're driving. you going to be walking through your house, walking in your office. And you're going to have moments where the Lord just captures your attention. Just captures it. And there's going to be this overwhelming feeling and sensation of, of him, that his eyes are upon you, your eyes are upon him. There's just... It's almost going to be like a little feel a little creepy, because you're going to go, "What in the world?" A little, a little weird. And it's going to start happening so often and frequently that you're going to begin to live your life merged with Him, to where you're not going to be able to separate when He's not with you or when He is with you. There's going to be a constant twenty-four hour days, twenty-four hour days, seven days a week, where you're constantly aware of the presence of God. Yeah, you're going to find him when you open up the scripture. You're going to hear him when you hear a song. You're going to hear him when you're talking to a family member. You might even read a newspaper article or say something on television and all of a sudden there he is again and he's going to be in the, it's going to be a constant communication between you and him. Constant communication. And you're going to be asked to tell To share your moment of brokenness. Many of us have had more than one. That moment in time in life where you approach life and you go, God, I'm at a crossroads here. I just gotta, I gotta get in your presence. And Jesus looked at them and said, leave her alone. The poor will have always with you, but I won't be. She's only doing this, listen to this, as a, a memorial, as an anointing for my burial to come. Do you know what that means? When you open up your box and everything inside of you begins to pour out on him, it is a, a fragrance and an anointing of his burial, before his burial, which is the cross, which takes away all your sins, all your guilt, and all your condemnation. She experienced the fruit of the cross before he even died on the cross. Does that make sense? You hear what I'm saying? You're feeling guilty, you feeling condemned, feeling overwhelmed with life and things aren't working out. And and I'm gonna tell you this too. Many of the church people that in the world today are living with hopes and dreams that they never see come to pass. And, 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 And many of us have just put them up on the shelf saying, I'm I'm okay if I stay single the rest of my life. I'm okay if that if I just have to if that job opportunity never, I'm okay. And I'm perfectly content, and you've convinced yourself to stay within the box of what you've created for yourself. And God says it's time to break open the box. The box is valuable, but what's inside the box is invaluable. And you're saying, "How? What does all this mean? How, How do I even live life? What's?" Tell me what to do with this. It's a great story and I hear it and I, it was moved and all that, but what, what do I do with this? I'll tell you what to do with it. Get your priorities in order. Quit caring about everybody else thinks around you. Get your dreams off the shelf and allow yourself and give yourself permission to dream again. Quit thinking that your best days are behind you because your best days are ahead of you. Quit worrying about your past mistakes and your past failures and your past mishaps and all the things and let that know know that your better days are ahead that because you have some bad memories in the past doesn't disqualify you from building new memories no don't worry about what the kids are going to go through and have gone through and all those things. i know it's been hard i know it's been difficult but i got to tell you somehow if god can change you he can help protect the kids as they grow yes. he can build something that's a proper frame of reference for them they won't they won't uh, repeat your same mistakes They won't. Can you begin to just wanna spend time with him? I'm not talking about drive-by time. I'm not talking about giving him a little bit here and there. I'm not talking about a tip here and the tip there and a little bit of token here. I'm talking about quality time. Quality time to where you and he are right together. And how you'll know is when something on the inside of you begins to break and you begin to go and gratitude and love, compassion, warmth, all begins to just seep, overwhelm you and you begin to feel and smell this fragrance that's really coming out of you, but it's really blessed by him and all of a sudden you begin to feel this room fill up and you're going, my God, I haven't felt this in years. I haven't been excited. I enjoy the song. I love the word. I love to be in his presence and I can raise my hands, but I haven't felt that thing. It's a a holy thing. The emptying. I haven't felt, man, I've been working so much. I've been going fast too and kids here, kids there, work here, building the dream, building, but I haven't. Taking care of her and take care of him, and I'm doing this for this person, this person. But, but huh, I need to smell the fragrance of the oil that's in my alabaster bottle. Would you stand with me.
0: I bring to you a flame. I pour out my love and I want I'll offer up to you, O Lord, this costly gift, and what you can see in me. Worship
1: over you. Hmm. Here's what we're going to do next week. Next week is going to be a worship service. And we're going to have a few exhortations in the middle. I'll bring a brief middle of the word, word in the middle of all that, and some, some exhortation. We'll have other people doing some exhortation as well. But we're going to have a worship time going to be the first Sunday in July, and we're going we're to let the, the Spirit of the Lord kind of have His way. Is that okay? Everybody okay with that? I want you to invite people to come if they want to hear worship, if they, somebody just want to sit there and go, God, I'm just basking in the presence of the Lord. Others need, need an encounter with the Lord next Sunday morning. That's what we're going to do. I love you guys. God, I love you so much. I don't want to see you. I want to to see you shake off every shackle and chain. And I want everything that God has for you in your life that's gonna cause you to be fulfilled, hope-filled, dreams fulfilled, blessed in every aspect. I want that for you. That's my desire, and I know his desire is way more than I could ever imagine for you. So Father, in Jesus' name, we thank you for bringing us back to the central part of what this thing is all about and allowing us to get a fresh glimpse into your heart and how you see people. God, we're learning your ways as we go. Nobody has it all together. Nobody has it all figured out, but we love you. We love you as much as we even know how to love you. And we're asking you, God, as the week unfolds for us and the days come ahead, will you take us into a a deeper place with you a greater measure and revelation of who you really are. We love you, Lord. I bless my friends as they walk out this door today. And I say, let this week, let the roof blow off the top, let the doors blow wide, and let them walk in the goodness, the mercy, the blessing, the favor, the grace of Almighty God. Let the kingdom overwhelm them. Let them see everything for the way it really is, that you are good and your mercy truly endures forever. In Jesus' name, God bless you guys. We'll see you next week.
2: What is it that you're called to be? Too often we think only people called in the ministry are preachers. But did you know that God has called you to influence your world? Whether you're a teacher, a mom, a businessman, a doctor, a doctor, You're called to bring who God is into your sphere of influence. I want to invite you to visit at Expression Church of Huntington. Our passion is to teach others how to be the expression of Christ in everyday real life. Service times are Sundays at 11 a.m., with Sunday school starting at 9.30 for all ages. We also have our midweek service called The Mid, Wednesdays at 7 p.m., Our temporary sanctuary is located at 5185 U.S. Route 60 East in Huntington at the East Hills Professional Center off of the 29th Street exit. We will soon be moving to our permanent property at Commerce Park in Huntington. I'm Stephanie Scrag, and I am Expression.